Christian boast, that cancels out works. For by grace you're saved, God's goodness and love and mercy provided through the cross. If that's my basis, then I can rest assured that I am saved, what, by the grace of God. He desires to save me. He's made provision to save me. He's promised to save me. And since my works have nothing to do with it in His performance, I can bet that whatever God says He's going to do, He's going to keep His Word. Now, there are two witnesses that you and I have to our salvation. First of all is the witness of the Word. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, having been crucified at Calvary, thou shalt be saved. So what I say to a person is this, and I would say to you, if you want to turn your doubts into blessed assurance, the first thing you do is to find out what does the Word of God say? Well, let's go back to 1 John chapter 5. Listen to what he says now. The one who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself, and the one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed in the witness that God is born concerning his Son. And what is that? Now watch this. You see, you can't just take a leave what God says. He says, if you place your trust in Him, you're going to be saved. So I would say to you, if you say, well, no, I don't believe God has lied about anything. Well, if you ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, if you confess, and have you placed your faith in Him? Do you believe that His death at Calvary really and truly atoned for your sin? Oh, yes, I believe that. What is the witness of the Word? The witness of the Word is this, that you're saved. Well, how do you get that? Here's where I get that. The one who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed in the witness that God is born concerning his Son. And the witness is this. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. What's the witness of the Word? The witness of the Word is this, that if I place my trust in him, I'm saved. That's the witness of the Word. The second witness is the witness of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he's referring to here when he says in verse 10, the one who believes in the Son of God has the witness, listen to this, in himself. Go back to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, here's what Paul said. He says in verse 16, the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit on the inside of us that we are the children of God. So I have a twofold witness. And you see, listen to this now, watch this. Have I said anything about works? No. Performance, conduct? No. What are we talking about? We're talking about the witness of the Word of God and the witness of the Holy Spirit. The witness of the Word is this. If I do what God says, placing my trust in Him, I'm saved. That's the witness of the Word. What is the other witness? It is the witness of the Holy Spirit. His work in our life is so absolutely important. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have the witness of the Word. Then you have, listen, listen to what you have. You have one of the persons of the Trinity living on the inside of you. And what is he doing? He is bearing witness that you are a child of God, living in the sphere of the unconditional love of God, living under the canopy of the unconditional love of God, standing on the rock of the immovable, unchanging love of Almighty God. That's the witness of the Spirit. Now, I don't know where you are tonight in your relationship to him. But listen, which of these categories do you fall into? You are saved and you know it. You thought you were, but maybe tonight you decided, I'm not so sure. Or you know in your heart that you've never made a confession, a profession of your faith, that you've never confessed your sins and said, God, I desperately need you, and I'm asking you to save me and trusting you to do it. Now listen, if you're not certain, for your sake, for God's sake, 
make certain tonight. It's the one thing you desperately need to be sure about. Your relationship to God. Father, thank you that you made it simple, plain, and clear. Thank you for all the warnings that you've given us in your word concerning our need to be saved. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit will gain absolute victory in all of our lives tonight, turning these doubts that disturb and distract and oftentimes are destructive in our lives into a blessed assurance where we can enjoy being your children. But we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. At times, we may not feel the love and acceptance of the Lord. But as you heard in Dr. Stanley's message, feelings are not the foundation of our salvation. Salvation is based solely on Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Once you're in relationship with him, you can be absolutely confident that God will always honor his son's sacrifice on your behalf. If you're wondering about what it means to be born again or how to live out the faith in Christ you already have, stop by intouch.org. And to review the assurance you have as a Christian, listen again by clicking Today on Radio on our homepage. Visit our online bookstore if you'd like to order a copy of today's complete message, Turning Our Doubts into Blessed Assurance. Again, that's intouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. If you prefer to write, our address is In Touch, Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia 30357. The decision to praise God in even the hard times is a healthy choice. Today's Moment with Charles Stanley is coming up. In Touch Plus is streaming on Local Now, featuring all the best of Dr. Charles Stanley. We're to have strong convictions based on the Word of God. He's working out things that you and I would never know about in our future. In Touch Plus, your streaming network for quality Christian programming 24-7. Now watch this. In Touch Plus, streaming free on Local Now. Trusting God each day can be a challenge, but working to grow that trust brings greater joy and peace than we could ever find on our own. In Trusting God with Today, the new 365-day devotional from the teachings of Dr. Charles Stanley, we are encouraged to believe in God's love and rest in His purpose for us. Pre-order at intouch.org slash today. You're listening to In Touch. When a believer praises God for who he is, the results can be powerful. Here's a moment with Charles Stanley. Now, if you're one of those persons who gets down in the dumps real often, the best thing you can do is out of your lips. Just begin to thank him and praise him. Thank him for what he's done. If you want to leap out of discouragement and despair, you begin to praise God, something's going to happen. Now, all of us get in those situations where things go a little wrong. Here's what praise does. It lifts us out of the depths of these things. We change our attitude, our whole perspective changes. And from sadness, there is joy. 
And I think one of the most powerful times I see this is in a memorial service when somebody's passed away and the family comes in and they're there with natural sadness and maybe the congregation begins to sing praise to God and next thing you know, those people are no longer sad. Something happens on the inside. Their focus gets off of their circumstance, their sorrow and the situation, the loss of their loved one begins to be upon God, His promise of the resurrection and all the rest and what happens? Everything changes. When you begin to praise Him, you complain less. You feel better. You're going to have your faith strengthened because your focus is on Him. And the problems that you once viewed as mountains, all of a sudden, they begin to disappear. Worry, doubt, and fear cannot survive a heart that learns how to praise God. It'll change your life. You can learn more about the powerful benefits of praising God at intouch.org. And if today's program encouraged you to invest more deeply in your relationship with Christ, we'd love to hear from you. Next week on In Touch, there are many habits and attitudes that get in the way of our commitment to Christ. We'll assess some of those issues as we begin a series next week on how to reach your full potential. Have a great weekend and join us Monday for In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. In September, most U.S. states released their public school report cards. These reports were intended to evaluate the quality of education that's being offered across the state. By federal law, these report cards must measure academic performance and graduation rates. Of course, these report cards are only helpful if they make sense, but many don't. For example, Ohio's Department of Education recently stopped using letter grades on its statewide school report cards. Among the reasons for that is that lawmakers thought that an F just sounded too harsh. Now, the Ohio school report cards based on a star system. However, like real stars that seem to just float in midair, this star system is based on a made up and confusing point system. According to the chart that quote unquote explains the scores, four and a half stars could be equal to 4.125 points, but not lower than 3.625 points. You figure it out. Now, U.S. schools have been struggling since well before the pandemic, but things have only gotten worse since. A few weeks ago, the White House sounded the alarm about the chronic absenteeism in public schools, something that skyrocketed during the pandemic and has not significantly improved since, and the strong correlation of absenteeism to the worsening math and reading scores across the country. Only 32% of American fourth graders, for example, are considered proficient in reading. Still, unless a problem is properly understood, it will never be helpfully addressed. State report cards should be helpful in diagnosing the crises that face public education, but they just aren't. In fact, they seem almost intentionally unhelpful. For example, last year's report card for Ohio rated almost 90% of school districts as, quote, meeting state standards. However, the very same report card, at least if you know where to click on it, reported that almost 40% of Ohio third graders are not proficient in reading. More than partly to blame here is the shift in just how we think about education across the board, a shift that has trickled down from institutions of higher learning to now infect public schools. As T.S. Eliot observed, every philosophy 
philosophy of education emerges from a philosophy of humanity. And in our context, educators spend an inordinate amount of their preparation on educational theory, pedagogy. This has shifted the focus of their preparation away from the what and the why of education to the how. And the result is a generation of teachers fully up on the social and emotional dynamics of learning, but who nevertheless fail to teach second graders basic phonics. Now, of course, there are many admirable teachers in both public and private schools across America. Teachers that are concerned about what matters most and skilled at passing it on to the next generation. What we're talking about here is a systematic problem, a crisis in public education that runs deep and obscuring the problem with these kind of report cards in an attempt to just protect the institutions whose administrators view an F as sounding too harsh, well, that just won't help. No, education needs to be rethought at a worldview level. If human beings are made in the image of God, then to know is to know the mind of the Creator. It's from this solid ground that ancient Christians gave the world the very concept of universal education in the first place. God has indeed revealed Himself and indeed wants to be known, and not just by the elite or by the rich or by the clergy. Then real knowledge is possible, and kids should be treated as knowers, not as social experiments or many political activists or trusted authorities on everything from gender to climate change. The White House's press release on chronic absenteeism ended with an assertion that the road to recovery runs through the classroom. Now, obviously, kids will have to show up if they're going to learn. But what happens when they do show up matters even more. Specifically, the what and the why, not just the where or the how. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Maria Baer. For more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org.